Welcome to the Awakening Church, one of the great churches Maui has to offer. And now, Pastor Stephan Pusle with this week's message. Aloha, my name is Pastor Stephan. So great to have you here this morning. Man, if you are, if life is good and God is good to you, let's give him a praise this morning. Yes, yes, we're, we're excited to be here. Um, yeah, we are excited about the women's retreat coming up, and you guys are going to have a blast. And a lot of work and prep has gone into that, um, so that's going to be uh, something great you don't want to miss out on. Uh, today, we are kicking off a brand new series called Women of Valor. And it's amazing, just like Bob said, there, the Bible is full of stories of women who did great things, great feats of faith and courage and bravery. And we're going to talk about that this month. We're going to highlight that, especially since we have the women's retreat this month. We're going to just uh, focus on the ladies um, and, uh, yeah, and hopefully encourage you uh, to be bold, to be strong, and to be all that God has made you to be. Now, I'm going to tell you a little uh, bit about myself. My wife, Amber, is amazing. Isn't she an awesome... Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's like... <laughs> Yeah, she's amazing. She is an awesome mom. She's an incredible um, musician, and she brings in the worship. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, she has an anointing and a gifting that, man, I really did marry up. But she is incredible in multiple different ways. She works at a, she, she manages a real estate company office. Um, she's a full-time mom. She's a full-time uh, position at the church. Uh, and man, she does everything. And if I didn't have Amber around, oh my goodness, my world would implode in more than one way. And, but she's got a lot on her. She's got a lot of weight to carry. She's got a lot of burdens to carry. And, you know, sometimes I feel like as a husband, maybe that I could do more, that I could show her more appreciation, that I could recognize her value and her worth, or maybe even see her through God's eyes, and that would maybe shift some of the ways that I even treat my wife. Uh, but, the, but the thing is, is that Amber's amazing, and, and Amber's a reflection of all the women at our Awakening family. You guys are awesome. Let's give the ladies a round of applause at our church. I don't know about you, but a lot of what we do that gets done here is done by the hard work of the ladies in the house, and uh, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without you. Um, and it's really incredible. Uh, and I'm going to get into that in just a second. But by the way, I want to welcome everybody who's here. Whether you came here, walked, some walked, some got in a uh, bicycle, some got in a car, some got in a plane. And we're so glad you're here. And some of you are tuning in right now on Facebook Live. I want to encourage you to share that and uh, so that other people can hear some encouraging words, some encouraging truths uh, that they can apply to their everyday lives um, and uh, anyway, so I want to just connect with you ladies for a second, because here's the thing is, because we're talking about women of valor, and I wanted to think about what does that mean? Why did I pick that name uh, to highlight this series this, uh, that talk about the stories of women in the Bible? Well, val- the, de- the definition of valor is, is courage and bravery in the, in the face of danger or in the face of battle. And a lot of you women have to be brave every day to go and do what you do. Uh, and a lot of times, 
the hard things that you do is overlooked. And people don't notice you. Sometimes they feel like you're invisible. Or sometimes, ladies in the house, I don't know if you feel underappreciated. Like, man, I could be paid maybe the same as somebody else here that I work with. Uh, and I do the same amount of work. You know, I don't know if you ever felt as a lady underappreciated. Uh, maybe you felt like you've been neglected in some area. Maybe it's in a relationship or in your marriage um, but ladies tend to, um, and especially in our day and age, uh, we have some obstacles for women that, that I believe that we can improve on and change. Um, and here's the thing. I, when you look at history, I believe that we've come a long way. Wouldn't you agree? We've come a long way in the way that we treat women, okay? There's been a lot of improvement. Even the last 50 years, there's been a lot of positive things, uh, and, but I think about as I look at my two daughters, and as they're growing up in my home in today's time, I'm still thinking to myself, we can do more. It's not enough. We can go further. They can do more. They can accomplish anything. They can do anything. And so I, I look at that, and I, I can, I'm concerned for my daughters because I don't want them to be held back. I want them to become all they can be in God's, in God's plan and great, grand scheme of things. I want them to, to get to the fullest potential. Uh, and I know that you would want that for, for your wife or for your daughters or for, for your uh, sisters. And so, uh, and Jesus, when I mean, we look at the Bible, gosh, man, he was one of the first women's rights advocate. I mean, he was radical in the way that he changed the way people thought and the cultural and customs and norms, and he went against that time and time again. And we're going to just take a look at that uh, in God's Word. But before you, I need help, because you know what? Guess what? I'm going I'm to put a little disclaimer out there. I'm a little nervous today. Uh, you might be able to tell, I, I don't know, but I, I, I'm trying to teach on women and preach on something that will encourage you, but there's a problem. Is last time I checked, I'm not a woman. I, I, you know, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, uh, and so I'm going to do my best, and I'm asking for a little bit of grace as I try to uh, encourage you and lift you up, and that's where my heart comes from. So uh, we're going to pray for God's help, okay? Uh, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for um, a church called The Awakening, where we're not afraid to talk about difficult subjects. And, and uh, Lord, we, you know, over and over again, you talked about the least of these. You talk about people who are overlooked, who are underappreciated, and you say over and over in your word to lift them up, to look out for them, uh, to love on them, to meet their needs. And, you know, Lord, we just pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge we can't do anything without your help. And so, would you speak through me? Would you change hearts and minds? And most of all, would you do it through your word? Because I know your word is powerful. It's, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it cuts, cuts to the matter of things. And so, Lord, we can help us to put aside any of the, the, the things that we have hold on to, the things that we've been taught when we were raised, and the way we saw um, our fathers treat our, our mothers, any of that stuff, help us to set it aside and, and, and to really allow you to do some work on our hearts and minds this morning. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Okay, so 
we uh, are looking at the Bible, these amazing stories of women throughout the history of the, of the church. And by the way, Peg's going to do an amazing teaching on, on the women's retreat, so I'm not going to try to over-talk, uh, uh, or sorry, um, I don't want to repeat the lessons, so I've connected with her and made sure that I'm not going to be teaching the same thing. So there's something new for you on the retreat. Is that cool? All right, cool. Now, the Old Testament... Uh, we look at the way that women were treated. And when you compare the Old Testament to the New Testament, which do you think that women would be treated better in? Which time zone and time frame, right? Old Testament is before Christ and New Testament's after Christ, okay? Which time frame do you think women got treated better in? You would think the New Testament, right? It's, it's a new time. Right? We're progressing as human beings in our way of thinking and treating other, each other. But it was actually the opposite. In the Old Testament, women were held in a much higher esteem than in the times of the New Testament. For example, uh, you see Adam and Eve in the garden. And when God gave Adam, Eve, he said, whoa, man. And that's where we get woman from, right? Whoa, man. Okay. No, uh, what happens is the Old Testament, there was a custom before the, uh, the, the Jewish week is set up to where Saturday's the end of the week, and that's Sabbath, and Sunday's the beginning of the week. So on a Friday, the day before you're supposed to rest and take everything and take your time off, the men of the home would sing this song to their wives, and it's found in Proverbs 31. Pretty cool, huh? Proverbs 31 woman, you heard about that. It, it just holds an esteem of what a woman can be in God's eyes. And we're going to be taking a look at this Proverbs 31 throughout this month and tie it into uh, the different stories of women of valor in uh, the New Testament and Old Testament. Now, this is uh, what it says here. It, and by the way, I'm, before I get to this, I want to talk about the New Testament before I get into that verse. Leave that verse up there. The New Testament was different than the Old Testament. And I'm going to show you in just a second the ways why. I'm, I'm actually going to do this verse verse, verse first, okay? Uh, let's take a look at this. Proverbs 31.10. So it says what? An excellent woman, right? An excellent woman. Everybody turn to your, the, a woman near you and say excellent woman. Excellent woman. An excellent woman is one who is spiritual and capable, intelligent and virtuous. Who is he who can find her? Her value is more precious than jewels, and her worth is far above rubies or pearls. Now, I want to go back to that first part of that verse. The, uh, woman, an excellent woman. The word excellent is from the Hebrew. Now, I want to see if I can get this right. It's ishet. Um, uh, Sha'il. Ishet Sha'il. That's the Hebrew word for an excellent woman. And the word eshet is the feminine. It means wife, woman, or the feminine. And sha'il means power, or resource, or army. And that's why I picked the name woman of valor, because there's a courageousness, there is a boldness and a strength. And if you read through Proverbs 31, I want you to do that throughout this week, you're going to see what that means, what an excellent woman, a woman of valor is like, and what is her, uh, what is her character? What makes a virtuous woman? Um, and that's pretty cool. Now, so that was the Old Testament, and that was sung to the women. 
as you got through the work week and all the work and all the busyness and all the pain and struggle throughout that week, and at the end of all that struggle, right before he rests, the husband would sing to his wife this appreciation, this poetic, uh, appreciative song. I wish I could sing it to you. That would be something cool for Pastor Stefan to, sing, to learn to sing to his wife, right? And wouldn't that be pretty romantic? That'd be pretty cool. In Hebrew, that would be uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Um, but the New Testament, things had kind of deteriorated to where women were not even allowed out of the home. Very rarely were they seen outside the home. And if they were, it's because they didn't have a husband who kept her in check or provided for her needs. And they often, the women that were out on the street were women who had to provide for themselves. They had to make a living. They had to beg for money. They were divorced or they were put aside. But if you were out in public as a woman, you couldn't speak to men. You had to cover your face because the Pharisees were so strict that they would literally uh, walk around and if they saw a woman, they wouldn't even look. They would look the other way and they called them the bleeding ones because they would so often they would be looking in the wrong direction. They would run into something and, and you know, cut their, their face open or break their nose or knock out a loose tooth because they were looking in the opposite direction. I think it's actually the opposite. I think that maybe these Pharisees were staring so hard at some of these rare occasion women who come out that they would actually be looking and, you know, like the guy that's checking out the girl and gets in the car accident, right? I think that's why they were called the bleeding ones, in fact. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, so they couldn't, they couldn't go out in public. They couldn't, when, when they did, in the rare occasion, they couldn't speak to men. They had to cover themselves. They couldn't testify in court. And they were bunched in with a bunch of different, really odd, uh, un, uh, basically not acceptable uh, characters who would not be allowed to testify in court. They're bunched in with them. And, and it gets worse. They couldn't worship openly at the temple. And, and not only that, they were not allowed to be educated. They were not allowed to learn to read. And so things were rough in the New Testament times for women. But in stretched Jesus. In comes Jesus. And he comes against these traditional restrictions. He comes against them. And we're going to take a look at what women of valor do and how they respond to Jesus. Okay? Now, women of valor will ignore traditional restraints. Ignore traditional restraints. And I'm going to talk about the specific story about this woman that Jesus encountered at Jacob's well. Now, Jacob's well is located in a place where the Samaritans lived. And the Samaritans were cast out from the Jewish people because they intermarried with people that were non-Jewish. They were Gentile. They were intermarrying. They were race-mixing or their multicultural marriages that were shunned upon and looked down upon at that time. And so not only was she... Uh, despised just because of her nationality or her, the, the group of people that she was associated with. But in addition to that, she was a woman. And so they would never have a Jewish man go and approach a Samaritan, let alone a woman, especially not a teacher as Jesus was called. We take a look at John, chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. You can look at whatever translation you have. Now, how many of you guys brought your Bibles? 
Awesome. Lots of hands. I see a few hands that didn't go up. Guess what? I got, a, I got a surprise for you. You got your Bible. It's in your pocket, and it's your phone app, okay? You can check that out. Um, follow along, whatever version that works for you. Um, today, we're gonna be, we, we got the amp. We got the message, and I believe there's one or, one or so more, possibly. Uh, okay, now, John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. This is where we pick up. Now, the Samaritan woman was what? Taken aback. She was obviously taken aback, and she asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And the Jews in these days, they wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. And Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, then you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. Now, again... Women of valor, they ignore traditional restraints. Not only was Jesus doing that, ignoring traditional restraints, but when Jesus started talking to her, what do you think she did? She like panicked and ran away? She ignored him because she's like, la, 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 you're not supposed to be talking to me. I'm a Samaritan and I'm a woman. No, what did she do? She was taken aback, right? She was taken aback. She was surprised by it, but what did she do? She asked. She asked him something. Why are you talking to me? She let the curiosity get the better of her, and she started to respond. She started to interact with Jesus. She was ignoring a major traditional restraint by doing that. And if anybody who was associated with her relative or her husband or ex-husband saw her doing that, she would be in big trouble for doing that, big time. But she goes against the traditional restraint. <clears throat> Now, I want to tell you a little story about a time where I had to ignore a traditional restraint. I'm going to be transparent with you. I think that's how we should operate here at the Awakening, right? We should be real. We should let each other know uh, our pitfalls and our burdens and be, and be real and honest with each other, okay? Um, back in the day... I was a very hateful human being. Back in the day, I was very arrogant and narcissistic. And my belief systems on the value of people. And I saw myself in my young youth as better than any woman. I saw myself physically stronger. I saw myself as having the capacity to be smarter. And I had a superiority complex that comes out of a person that is selfish, self-centered, egotistic, and even maybe chauvinist. Just a little bit. This is, this is the history that I came out of. And I actually had a lot of anger and, and hatred for women. Now, I don't want to go into details of why that happened because there was probably a uh, a, a, a long history of me getting uh, abused and hurt and heartbroken by women. And I didn't realize that along the way that the enemy was using that to, to, to hate through me uh, people who didn't deserve that. The beauty is, as I can share that with you as awakening, because what happens is when you get to know Christ and as he transformed the way you think, you don't stay where you are. You're not the same person that you were when you first met Jesus. And before I met Jesus, I was an awful human being. 
And not only did I hate other people around me, I hated myself mostly of all. People who hate others, they hate themselves worse first. And that's what I did. I was my number one hater. Um, And so I hated people, but especially women. Now, as I got saved, it was like what happened is all this hate... I was, I was full of it, and when I surrendered my life to Jesus, it was like I got an IV drip put inside of me. How many been having surgery and got pain medication? You needed it, and you, the doctor delivered. Praise the Lord. And you, know, you felt it going through your body, and you're like, oh, thank God, relief. That's what it felt like when I gave my heart to Jesus. This love started pouring through me, and I, I was so confused. I, I was shocked by it. I was perplexed by it. Was like, and all of a sudden, there was a love. I hated my mother. I hated her. There was even once I was this close from punching her in the face. And I knew that if I did that, I'd be sent away. And that's the only reason I didn't do it. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, this love started pouring aside. And I'm confused. I started crying. And my mom sent me a gift package all the way in China where I gave my heart to Jesus. And I got it. And I started weeping. And I, I felt this love I never felt before start pouring in. I didn't understand it. That was the beginning. That was the beginning. That was the first step where I surrendered my life and started transforming, but it took some time. Now, I started going to church, and I went raised in a church, and oftentimes in the church... Women weren't honored. They weren't utilized. And I, I, this is the big idea of my message. I believe that women are some of the most underutilized resource in the church today. That if we could tap into that potential, watch out. But I didn't think that way. I started going to church. And I got hired on staff. And this church was different. I loved it. It was amazing. I mean, it was evangelistic. It was non-denominational Christian church. It was called Calvary Church, uh, Santa Ana. Then it's turned to change its name to uh, Crossing Church. And uh, it was amazing. There was recovery people, soccer moms, tattooed, multicultural, black, Hispanic people on stage, singing and worshiping God. And sometimes there would be a woman who would lead something and speak on something. And I didn't like it. I was like, eh, that's just, uh, I don't know, it's not my cup of tea, right? And I was just, the old past was still creeping in a little bit. And what happened is that this church, after years, I attended it for seven years. I was on staff for four years. And towards the end of it, as uh, I was starting to uh, transition out of the crossing into church planting, I was about to go and start our own, our own church. <clears throat> and what happened is, through that process, God was working on my heart. He was changing my mind, changing what I think. What happened was there was an application to become a part of a Christian organization that I needed some help with. And on the application, they asked a specific question about women in leadership. Do you think women should be in leadership in any kind of capacity? And I was like, well, yeah, duh. I mean, I've seen it for myself here for years at the, at the crossing Man, we wouldn't be able to do what we did as a church without these strong women who led and who contributed and, and, and had something to give and stepped up. 
And I was like, no way. Women's got to lead. They got to be in part of things. They got to be involved in things, okay? So no way. Women should be in leadership. And something had shifted. God worked on my heart. And so I put in the questionnaire, I said, yeah, women should be in leadership, duh. And I was for sure thought I would get the request back. And guess what happened? You've been denied. <laughs> you cannot be a part of our organization because of where you stand on this. I was like, whoa, I was ticked off. I was mad. I was like, how dare you? What? And I wrote an email, and I have a whole category on my email file that says, letters I never sent, okay? <laughs> but this one I sent. I was like, how dare you, blah, blah, my self-righteous, like, you know, old Stefan, okay? After I've gone through a long period of refining, lots changed, so I've got some emails in my unsent email file now. And, uh, but I, I, it's something shifted. Something shifted. And so when I came to the awakening, one of the first things we did when we started our church is we licensed our first person, and that was my wife, to be a pastor on staff here at the awakening. We did that, and we took that step because we believe and we value women, and we know that they have something to contribute. Now, when we can, we can grow, and we can, uh, uh, um, as long as it's, we stick to God's word, and that's what we're talking about this morning, we're sticking to his scripture. And um, anyway, we're going to go back to this story, but I don't know about you, but I don't know if you ever felt, because I've talked to a, a couple of women before and asked them, because I'm not one, and I asked one, and I said, hey, um, have you ever felt like you have had restraints in the past on your life where it's a, a job opportunity, things like that? And one of them was like, no, nothing. I can't, I can't say that I've ever had that because they have a, a really positive experience now. And I know for every woman that I could probably talk to that have a great experience and never f- told they couldn't do something, there is a woman that has been held back, hasn't reached their full potential. And I can't say that I, I know that or understand that, but you do. Um, but women of valor, they ignore traditional restraints. And I think that's the only verse underneath that category, right? So we're going to go to, not only do they ignore traditional restraints, women of valor, they, they know that their past mistakes don't disqualify them of reaching their full potential in God. And so we continue on in this story with a Samaritan woman. So Jesus said, hey, I got this living water for you. And guess what she says? Give me some of that. I want some of that. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I don't ever get thirsty. Won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, go call your husband and then come back. I'm sure she gulped. And she says, I have no husband. That's nicely put, Jesus said. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Bam. So not only is she Samaritan, disqualified, she's a woman, disqualified. She's a divorced woman, adulterer, disqualified. She's now living with a man is not her husband. disqualified. Jesus calls out the elephant in the room. He speaks it out. 
And he begins to talk to her about this living water. He begins to talk to her about what qualifies her. And we're going to get that in the end. But she has been disqualified. And Rick Warren says this. I don't know if we have that quote up there. Um, and you know what? If we don't, I can pull up my notes. My notes right here. He has a great quote. So we're talking about this woman who's been disqualified. And Rick Warren, he says this. this is one of my favorite quotes from his Saddleback Church, uh, Southern California. Got my picture taken with him. He's a man. I love Rick Warren. Purpose Driven Church, Purpose Driven Life. Great books he's written. But here's what he says in, in his book, Purpose Driven Life. He says this. Other people are going to find healing in your wounds. Your greatest life message and your most effective ministry will come out of your deepest hurts. So Jesus is looking at her and he's seeing her potential. He's calling out the elephant in the room and he's saying, hey, listen, these are the things that ought to disqualify you. Your past ought to disqualify you. But he starts speaking into her. He sees her potential. And she realizes that. She begins to realize that. She begins to see it. Something shifted. Just like when I found Christ and that love started getting replaced, hate started getting replaced with love, something shifted in her. But then in come who? The disciples. The very people that he'd been training to change the world. They come strolling in. And maybe these disciples can represent the church. Maybe it can represent our current place. But this is what what happened. Just then his disciples came back. They were what? They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. Notice he said kind. What kind of person are you? Man, woman, Jew, Gentile, black, white. What, what, what kind of person are you? Immoral, moral. They're categorizing things here. They were shocked that he was talking with this kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking. Both their faces, but their faces showed it. The woman took a hint and left. Here's the thing about the awakening church. People come here and they notice that there's something different about it. They notice there's something different here. They notice our love for each other. And while they're perplexed by the way we live, while we sacrifice to God, while we give everything to Him, they're drawn by the fragrance of the love that we have for each other. But here's the disciples and the way that they carried themselves inwardly could be read on the outside of who they were. The woman could see it. She knew she wasn't welcome. And all too, hap- all too often, we as a church have fell into this trap. And what we have done is we have cut off our legs beneath, underneath us, ourselves. And we have lost out on some of the greatest resources we have in our church. But she saw it. But she just didn't leave. She did something great because of what she saw in Jesus and how he treated her. So women of Allen, we repeat again. They ignored the traditional restraints. 
They know that their past mistakes don't disqualify. And so she left. And she realized that she had a voice of influence. She had a voice of influence. Where did she leave? Let's take a look at what she did. John chapter 4 verse uh, somewhere in the 1442. <laughs> I had to change that one. Uh, now, it says this. Back in the village, she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, right? All about my sins and my dirt and the things that disqualified me, but yet he still accepted me. He knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? That was not a question. She's making a statement here. And they went out to see. Go, go ahead, come back. And they went out to see for themselves. They went out to see for themselves. And Jesus met them. Jesus met them. Um, and what happened? Life change happened. Life change. So, what do we see happen here? Let's pull up the next verse. John chapter 4, verse 39 and 42. So that was probably the last one was the verse before that. Okay? So many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. How many? Many. And then what? A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said, the woman... We're no longer taking this on your say-so. We heard it for ourselves and know it for sure. He's the Savior of the world. Go back to the first part of this verse real quick. And the one before it. Yeah, keep on going back. Okay, so she told. And what do they do? They went. She told, and they went. She told them because what she said was influential. She influenced them, come and meet this Jesus, the Messiah. She told them, and they came. This woman found her voice of influence. She found her voice of influence. And not only are we commanded at the church and at the awakening church, you as women are called to find a voice of influence, a voice to influence not only your family, but influence your coworkers and your children, influence the people around you to come and meet this Jesus. And here's the cool part about this, that Jesus is seeing the potential in her and she's stepping up. Not only does she find her voice of in influence, but guess what happened to the people? Go down to the next verse and the next one. And this is what happens. One more. So they say, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. What's happened there? They're starting to take her seriously. She's found a voice of influence. And she started to being respected and taken seriously in her community. And I hope and pray for that. For you women here at the awakening. And our community as well. 
You have something to contribute. You have something to give. But it's going to take you to, to be a woman of valor and ignore traditional restraints. Don't let the past mistakes disqualify you. And then find your voice of influence. Again, I believe that the greatest untapped potential in the church is with women. How many, uh, what do we say, how many, out of, one out of ten, or sorry, how, out of ten missionaries in the field, how many of them are women? Yes. Seven out of ten. Did you know that Jesus rolled with a whole entourage of women who funded his ministry? We don't talk about that a lot. There are actually women who are leaders in the Bible that were spoken about. We're going to get to that. But I want to empower and encourage you and say, hey, you have a place. It's in God's word. We're going to discover it. But you know what? It doesn't take away from the fact that you ladies are in a battle. You're up against it. You're overloaded, underappreciated sometimes. And we want to say, you know what? We honor you. We love you at the awakening. And we're glad you're a part of our family. Because without you, we wouldn't be as cool of a knucklehead church as we are today. Right? Uh, Now, um, we're going to close with a challenge. What what do I want you to do about this? What do we do? How do we take away from this? And what what do we do with it? Okay, let's take a look at this verse. This is the stuff that Jesus was talking about her that convinced her to be so courageous and bold. And this is what he was talking about, the qualifications. The kind of person you are. And he cuts through gender. And he says this. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply, I love this. You ready, ladies? Those who are simply and honestly themselves before before him in worship. God is sure being itself spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being. Their spirits, their true selves in adoration. Look, God wants to use you. You have unlocked potential. And here at the awakening, we're not going to waste that. So if you've been thinking, man, what, what can I do? There's so many things you could do as a woman to help others find this Jesus that so radically changed my life. And we want to we get you in the game. We want to get you involved. There's places on the, on the worship team. We have w- women's retreats to run. We have all kinds of different opportunities for you to help people find Jesus and have their life changed. Uh, and um, we're going to close with prayer. We're going to close this time out. Um, and uh, I'm, so I'm going to invite the band up. But as we do, um, I want to leave with this final encouragement, right? This, this living water we were talking about. Because you may be in here and you're not a woman. But you know what? I think it was best said by Martin Luther King, right? The way we treat the least of these, the way we treat people who are powerless, the way we treat the oppressed, the way we treat people who are powerless, 
injustice done to that one is an injustice to the whole. I believe. Now those, those are the exact, exact words. But he's saying, listen, and this is why us as men, for you men in here, for your brothers, for your fathers in here, this is important. Because how we treat our women is something that will reflect on ourselves. Right? Remember the, what the Bible says, husbands, love your wives, as you own, do your own bodies. Right? Because guess what? They're a part of you. And when you dishonor your wife, you're dishonoring yourself. Right? When you repress the women in your life, when you have hatred, you're hurting yourself. And at the awakening, we're not going to do that. We want to challenge us men to step up. To step up and love our women. We're going to do that as a church. We're going to do that as a leadership. We're going to do our best as God leads us and guides us in his word. Um, But this isn't just a message for wives or women. It isn't just a message on Jesus being women's rights. It's not a message on, uh, it's not just a message on men and brothers and fathers, how we treat our wives. This is a message that applies to everybody, wherever you're at. Because what he did for this woman, the way he, that he liberated her, that he empowered her, and she became what, is, what the church calls one of the first evangelists. Pretty cool, huh? She became that, but God wants that to do that for all of you. And what he provides for all of you is an empowerment, is to be a capacity to love yourself the way that he loves you, the way that you ought to love yourself, the way that you ought to love, love other people. He gives you that capacity. And then life change happens. Radical things change. Now, if you're far from God, you have access to that same living water. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the light. Whoever believes in me will not die. He talks about this living water. He said, everyone who drinks this water will, will, uh, this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. And if you're far from God, we're going to do business. We're going to give you an opportunity to get access to this living water, the same water that transformed me from a man of hate into a man full of love. Uh, But before we do that, ladies, fathers, brothers, husbands, we're going to pray for our women. We're going to lift them up because this world has beat them down from the beginning of history till now, and we ought to lift them up. We got to give them opportunities. We got to value them, right? Like Tupac. (laughs) We got to fight for our women. Be real to our women. I don't know if you ever listened to Tupac, but he's got a song on women, okay? (laughs) Pastor Stefan, listening to the wrong kind of music there. Um, Anyway, that's what we got to do. So we're going to lift up our women right now. If you can bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the ladies at the Awakening Church. And we, we, we thank you that, they, that you have, you see their potential. You see their worth. You see their value. And you, and you know the things that they can contribute. You know the things that they can give. You know the things that they can do. 
And so, Lord, we want to bring out the best in them. We want to bring out the best in them as a church and our leadership, as husbands, as fathers, as sons. We want to bring out the best in our women. So, Lord, we just pray that they would, they would be bold. They would be bold. They, that they, could, they, they know they have something to contribute, something to do when it comes to serving you, Lord. Making your name famous. We, we lift this up to you, and, and we lift up our ladies, Lord. Protect them, Lord. Uh, empower them. Give them strength. Give them courage in the face of danger, in the face of the battles that they face every day, Lord. But, Lord, that may they get that power. That power, that's not something that we lord over others, but a power that has a steady confidence. A courage. An ability to influence because of the way that they carry themselves. And that only comes from them being connected to you, Lord. We pray that you give that. If, and you're here this morning, man, if you feel like, man, uh, Pastor Stefan, I've been through some things and I want God to bring out the best in me as a woman. If you're in here, you feel like you want me to pray for you uh, without anybody looking around, heads bowed. Eyes closed. Would you raise your hand up high so I can thank God for you and pray for you? God bless you. See your hand. God bless you. Good, good, good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. See your hand. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. Good. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this week. The Awakening Church is a church that unchurched people love to attend, where real people can come as they are and connect with others who love God. If you're on Maui, please come join us. If you're not on Maui or you can't attend a service, check us out online at theawakening.org or download our Awakening Church app. You'll find past messages, online Bible studies, scripture, and lots of other cool stuff, including ways where you can help us continue our mission. If this message has blessed you, you can help us increase our reach by giving to The Awakening Church, either on our app or online. Thank you for joining us. Aloha. Aloha.